Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. All right, well, good morning. It's good to be with you. Great to worship alongside of you this morning. I missed you last week. I was away doing a wedding, officiating a wedding, and as Matt mentioned, yes, I am married. I was not marrying someone. I was officiating the wedding. It was a lot of fun. It was a great time. Uh, folks that we have, have, have loved, and they have loved our family, and so it was great to get to be a part of their special wedding day. So thanks for letting me be away. But it's good to be with you here. College students, it's great to see you. Uh, we've missed you. It's so great when you're here, and it uh, certainly fills, us, fills an energy and a void. We miss you while you're gone, but we're glad that you are back. Now, I remember Jordan and I just gotten married a handful of years ago. We had moved to Fort Worth, Texas. God had called us to the ministry. Uh, we believed that that was God's calling on our life, so we headed to Fort Worth, uh, left everything we knew, left all of our friends, family, all of the things to go to Fort Worth where we were going to pursue the Lord in education to get prepared for this calling that he had placed on our life. And I'll never forget the first decision that we wanted to make as a as a family was we wanted to get plugged into a church. And so on Saturday, we moved to moved in this new place. We got our first apartment together, which was awesome, by the way. It was the first big thing. It was 640 square feet. It was awesome. It didn't matter how big or how small or how nice or how ugly or whatever it was, because it was our 600 and 40 square feet. We loved it. Even to this day, it just has such a special uh, place in our hearts. And so again, we, that Saturday we moved in. The next Sunday, we plugged into a church. As a matter of fact, we only visited one church. God was kind to us. We didn't have to go through all of the churches. We went to one church. We got connected pretty quickly, met a pastor who introduced us to a bunch of folks. And then those folks invited us to a life group that Wednesday. We were so blessed to feel invited and welcome to this church. So we said, hey, you know what? We don't have anything going on on Wednesday. We don't have jobs yet. So let's go to this life group. So we did. And I'll never forget it. We took a right turn right off of I-30. We enter into this neighborhood. There was these big, expensive homes. I'll, I remember it just like yesterday. And we pulled into this neighborhood. And sure enough, the GPS led us to this house that was a lot bigger than our 640 square feet. And so Jordan and I get out of the car, and on the way up to the door, I remember joking with her. I remember saying, babe, whatever you do, don't break anything, because we cannot afford to fix it, all right? So we opened the door, and they, sure enough, they welcomed us in. They were super kind, super friendly, and the way that they did life groups at that point was the guys and gals would break up. So the guys would go in one room, and we'd eat dinner together. Ladies would go in another room and eat dinner together. And then after dinner, we'd come together, and we'd study the Bible and pray together. It was really great. We really loved it. Uh, but over the course of dinner, guys being guys, going around the room, doing introductions, and I'll never forget, we asked the question, hey, well, what do you do? Guys, that's what we ask, isn't it? And so we're going around the table, and one after another, one guy says, well, I'm, I'm an attorney. I'm a doctor. One guy was even a Rangers scout, a Texas Rangers scout for the, the, the baseball team. How cool is that? The other one was like, well, I'm going to... I'm an attorney, and so I, I'm sitting here, and we're going around this table, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I am so out of my league. 
I mean, what was I going to say that I'm a newly married, unemployed seminary student? Like, how is that going to go? Right? Well, nevertheless, we really struck a bond with this group, and then they invited us back the next week. But here's the funny thing. Here's what they would do, right? So they would alternate who hosts life group from week to week. You know, you know where I'm going, I know. And so sure enough, we go to this other life group, and again, we pull off of I-35, or I-30, we enter into this big, expensive neighborhood, and I'm like, babe, are there no poor people in this life group? And then it hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, if we join this life group, we're going to have to invite them to our apartment. And the first thing that hit me was, how are we going to invite them? Where are we going to put them all? I mean, there's like 18 of them. Where are they going to fit? We don't have enough space. We, we only have this tiny little kitchen table that somebody gave to us. Right? We have one couch. So, so all of a sudden, this 640 square feet that I came to love and to treasure, within only a matter of a couple weeks, I found myself incredibly embarrassed by. Because I'm, well, what are they going to think? Why don't measure up? All of those things started sinking in. And I tell you all of that because I think so often the stress and the anxiety that you and I feel on a regular basis have to do with these silly things like an apartment, like houses, like cars and finances, all these things. We put so much, we invest so much into these things and then we realize that we're just not going to measure up. And so my contention, my argument for today is this. A life built on God is a life of security and peace. A life built on God is a life of security and peace. And the intersection between security and peace is this word that the Bible calls contentment contentment. And so my hope for us today is that you and I would be a people who rather than chasing the next thing, would be a people who are chasing contentment, who live with a deep sense of security, not in what we have, but rather in who we are in Christ. And then at the same time, experience a true peace because of that truth. Everybody with me? That's where we're headed. All right, so Matthew chapter 6. If you have a Bible, let's jump in there. Matthew chapter 6. Now, this is Jesus speaking. We're going to be in verse 25. We're going through verses, we're going 25 through 34. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's a great question. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life. And why are you anxious about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, and yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the field of the grass, or the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father who knows you, who knows you, he knows what you need. He'll take care of them all. Verse 33. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient. For the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Well, here in this passage, there are two truths that I want you to see this morning. So we're going to talk about two truths that I think have the power to transform your life. I know that's a bold statement, but I think it's true. I think what the Lord wants to say to us this morning is powerful enough to transform our life, to give us a life of peace and security, and so that's my hope for you, okay? But at the same time, he's also going to ask three questions of us. These three questions are going to help uncover why you and I oftentimes are so anxious. So we're going to try to get at the source of that. So here's the first truth that I want you to see this morning, okay? You're writing notes. First truth. When you invest your life in the things of this world, when you give your life to the things of this world, here is the fruit. Here's the result of that. It's going to yield a sea of insecurities and anxiety. So the fruit of investing your life in the things of this world, things like houses, things like cars, things like wealth, things like appearance, when you invest your life in temporal, material items of this world, the result of that is going to be a sea of insecurity and anxiety. Now here's the reason why this is important. The reason why that is true is because, and I think you know it, it's because you'll never have enough. You'll never have enough. It doesn't matter how much money you have, it won't be enough. You want to know why? Because your income goes up, what do you do? You spend up to the level of your income. Your house is never going to be big enough. You get to that point of like, babe, I I think we need a bigger house. Well, then what do you do? You purchase more stuff, you accumulate more things, until all of a sudden you realize, man, I need another house. Your car's never going to be nice enough. Somebody's always going to drive a nicer car. You're never going to have enough. You're never going to be fit enough. You're never going to be strong enough. You're not, never going to be as good of looking as you hope you'd be. You'll never have enough. But here's the deal. We trick ourselves into believing this lie. That if I just have enough stuff, if I just arrive at this point, I will be free of problems and anxieties. But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, is when we invest our lives in these things, it only compounds those insecurities. It only compounds our troubles. As a matter of fact, when we give our lives in pursuit of the attainable, It only produces one thing, 
anxiety. That's what Jesus' point here is. It's going to produce anxiety. Now, Jesus gives us kind of a, 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 the flip side of the coin, so to speak, and the second truth. Here's the second truth for you. It's that when we choose to invest our life in Christ and the things that he loves, the things that he desires and his will on this earth and his kingdom, the outcome will be two opposite things. You ready? Security and peace. So investing my life in the things of the world, the material things, these temporal things of the world, they're going to produce in you an anxiety and an insecurity, whereas if you invest your life, if you choose to invest your life in his kingdom, in his desire, in his will, he says it will produce a peculiar security and peace in your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never met a person who doesn't want peace and who doesn't want to stand secure in who they are. Have you met that person? I've never met that person. And so here, Jesus says, he uses the uh, the same phrase three different times. He says, do not be anxious. Four incredibly powerful words. Do not be anxious. These are not suggestions. These are commands. It's a difference. He doesn't say, hey, I I want you to be, I want you not to be anxious. He says, no, do not be anxious. And he uses, he says it three times because he's trying to get your attention. It's almost like we struggle with anxiety. He says, no, eyes up here. Look at me. Do not be anxious. Now, one rebuttal might be, well, well, Logan, I've heard this my whole life. I've heard this this idea that Jesus tells us, don't be anxious. People told me that all the time. Hey, don't be anxious. Let go. Let God. Don't be anxious. I've memorized Philippians chapter 4, verse verse 6 through 8. And yet here I am still. I'm an anxious mess on the inside. And that may be true. That may be true. But here's the deal. I think the reason why is because it's easy to, it's easy to, to believe, it's harder to live. It's easy to say, oh yeah, I know and I believe these truths to be true. It's much more difficult to actually live them out. And so what Jesus does to help us live these truths out, he goes after the source of the problem. And he asks us three questions. There's three questions in this text that I think are incredibly helpful to uncover the source of your insecurity and your anxiety that's going to help you live a life at peace and secure in him. You with me? So verse 25 is the first question. In verse 25, here's what Jesus says. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And here's the question. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? In layman's terms, Jesus is saying, hey, is life really not more than food? Is your life not more than clothing? Like, surely your life is more than what you consume and more than what you put on. I think embedded in what Jesus is asking here is, where do you derive your worth? Where do you derive your value is what Jesus is is getting after here. See, because if, if my life is about me, 
here's what happens. When my life is about me, my life is built on, on what is it that I can consume? How much more can I get? If my life is about me, it's about all that I can get. All that I can gain, all that I can purchase, all that I can consume. But if my life is about God, here's where that changes. Here's where that changes. If my life is about God, then all of a sudden it's not about what I can consume, but what I can give. What I can give away freely, what I can sacrifice. It's not about me, it's about God. So the question is, is where do you find your worth? Where do you find your worth? I want you to consider the shopping mall. As you walk in, every storefront or sign is pleading with you to buy the lie that you're worth. It's in your waistline, a brand, or it's in your appearance. That's true, isn't it? This is tax-free weekend. Jordan and I made the mistake of going shopping on Friday. We looked at each other and we were like, oh my gosh, what have we done? How do we not know that it's tax-free weekend? We too found ourselves walking through a mall and every sign, every advertisement that we see all is pleading with us to buy this lie that says your worth and your value is caught up in what you look like. What you wear, how skinny you are. And I think what Jesus is helping us see this morning is that our worth, our value comes not from the world, but from Him. In fact, I think this is true. I think this is true. See, we buy this lie that says if we have all the stuff, then we'll be accepted, we'll be noticed by others. We do that, don't we? But here's the trick. This is kind of interesting. I want you to follow along, along with this train of thought. Here's what happens. See, we buy the lie that our worth and our value is in what we can attain. All to impress a people who are doing the same thing. So we buy this lie that says, hey, you know what? I'm going to buy a life that I can't afford to impress a people who have bought the lie, built the life, that they can't afford to impress another group of people. And so we jump on this cycle, this never-ending cycle of it's never enough, all to impress, all to receive respect, all to receive love and acceptance from a group of people who have bought a lie that they can build a life that they can't afford to impress people. And on and on and on and on it goes. And so we walk around inferior to everyone around us because we don't have what they have or we live in constant fear that either we can't afford to maintain the lifestyle we've chosen to purchase or that somehow, some way, we're going to be found out. We're going to be found out that really, on top of this nice blazer, these nice clothes, all this money and all these houses and all these cars and all this stuff really is a mountain of debt. And that really I'm living this fake life of insecurities and fear 
Because at the end of the day, I really can't afford what I've chosen to buy. And so Jesus' question, first and foremost, is, who is your life about? Is it about God, or is it about you? Because if your life is about God, it won't be in how much you can consume, it will be in how much you can sacrifice. It will be in how much you can freely give. The second question that Jesus asks is, where do you find your value? Where do you find your worth? As a matter of fact, in verse 26 and 28, he continues this. This is what he says. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. We're talking about birds. They add no real value to the earth. Sure, they're, they're beautiful. We have a handful of, uh, of cardinals that live somewhere in our trees, and Almost every morning they, they sit out on the, on, the, on the fence and I think, man, they are so beautiful. But there's no real value that they bring to creation other than it's part of God's creation. And so Jesus says, if I feed the birds of the air who do nothing to provide for themselves and you, the masterpiece of my creation, what Paul tells us. Made in my image, do you really think that I am not going to provide for you as well? There's a big difference between image bearers and the birds of the air. He says the same thing about the lilies of the field in verse 28. He says, consider the lilies of the field, they, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon, the richest man who's ever lived, has everything that you could ever imagine. And yet, Jesus says that not even Solomon was arrayed like the lilies of the field. Not even he had what the lilies of the field have. They neither toil nor spin, and yet... I provide for them. And again, if you are his image bearer, which you are, how much more so would God clothe you and take care of your needs? Are you of not more value than they? So who is your life about? What is your life about? Who is your life about? Number two, where do you derive your value? Where do you get your sense of worth and identity? Third question. Verse 27. Verse 27. Here's what Jesus asks. He says, And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Boy, that's a great question, isn't it? Which of you can say that the anxiety and the stress in my life is leading to the extension of my health. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not a health expert. I don't plan to be. I've got people in the, in the church who are, so I don't have to, right? I, I'm not diagnosing anything here, but I would like to say, I did a little research about stress and anxiety, and here's what I found. The most common effects of stress are headaches, 
chest pain, insomnia, upset stomach, and high blood pressure. That doesn't sound very good, does it? Some of these effects, research says, lead to chronic issues such as tension headaches, heart problems, intestinal issues such as colitis and Crohn's disease. Well, that sounds fun. Now, again, I don't pretend to be a medical doctor, so let's make that clear, right? So I'm not here diagnosing anything, but here's what I am saying. According to statistics, one in six Americans is on medication for anxiety and stress-related issues. One in six. I would be terrified to see what those statistics are for people under 18. One in six. That means one in six of you in this room struggle with anxiety to the degree that you have to be on medication. Now, I'm going to reiterate it for the third time, like Jesus did. Here's three things to get your attention. I am not a medical doctor. I'm not diagnosing anything. If you have anxiety and you have a significant amount of stress, go see your healthcare provider. I'm sure that there is a difference between anxiety and stress-related issues from tethering your heart to the world versus chemical issues that are going on in your body. So go see a doctor. But here's the deal. I think what Jesus is saying here is that there is a connection. There's a connection between your spiritual life, what you're investing your life in, and your psychological life. There is a connection between what's going on right here with the way that you're pursuing the Lord or lack thereof and what's happening over here in your physical symptoms. And my plea with you today is to determine, man, where am I landing? If you are someone who's just ridden with stress and ridden with anxiety, number one, I hear you. I have spent the majority of my life anxious and stressed out to no end. So I am not speaking this morning as someone who is not understanding what is going, what's going on in your world. I've had panic attacks since I was a little kid. And so I'm standing here telling you that there is a connection between the stuff that I was experiencing and the insecurities that I was experiencing as a kid all the way into adulthood and my spiritual life. And I think that Jesus is helping us in this text kind of navigate this complex paradigm. And he does that in verse 33. In verse 33, here's what he says. This is so good. He says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Let me put it in another way. Jesus is saying, make me the priority in your life, and I'll take care of everything else. Here's what Jesus is not saying. Make me a priority in your life, and I will take care of everything else. He is saying, make me the priority in your life, and I will take care of everything else. And now, this is not prosperity gospel, this idea that, man, if I just make Jesus the priority of my life, here's what he's going to do. He's going to give me cars and wealth and all these things. That's not the case. Look at the Apostle Paul. He spent the majority of his ministry in prison. But the promise is that he will give you exactly what you need 
when you need it. And hear me, that will be enough for you. It will be enough for you. That's why Paul says, man, I've learned to live with a lot. I've learned to live with a little. I've learned to live with riches. I've learned to live in poverty because Christ is enough for me. He's enough for me. And so Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. So let me ask you this question. It's incredibly important. Is Jesus really the priority of your life? Is he really the priority of your life? Notice there's a difference between being a priority and being the priority. Is he preeminent in your life? Does he get the first and the best of all of your life? I'm not just talking about your finances, I'm talking about all of your life. Does he get the first and the best? Is he the priority of which everything else in your life flows? That's the question. Is he the priority of your life? Now here's the reality. The two most important resources in your life are your finances and your time. Talked about that a couple of months ago. Matt talked about it last week, right? That if you're investing in the world, right? It's a wrong investment. It's a poor investment. The return on that investment is not going to be good. Namely, this sermon. It's anxiety and insecurity. And so here's what I want to ask you. If someone were to open up your bank account, take your bank's stubs, what would the story of your bank account say about who you prioritize in your life or what you prioritize in your life? Open that thing up. What does the story of your bank account say? Does it say, wow, man, this person is invested in Christ. This person is invested in the kingdom. Man, this person is invested in what God is doing on this earth as it is in heaven. Or is it going to say, man, this, this person is invested in the things of the world. Wow, man, what, the priority in this person's life Now, you may say, you may go, well, well, Pastor, I I hear what you're saying, but I can't afford to give. And let me be very clear. No, that's not true. You can't afford not to. You can't afford not to. And here's the reason why. Because if you are not making Jesus a priority, you're making something else a priority. Which means that if you are making something else a priority, it is sitting on the throne of your heart where only He belongs. Now you can question that, but here's what's going to happen if you question that. Well, look, and I... I don't know that that's true. And I would say, then why are you so uncomfortable about talking about money in church? Because you talk about it every single day of your life. Don't we? Because so often, we're invested in the temporal, material things of this earth, and we're trying to figure out how to afford a life that we can't afford 
to maintain, to impress a people who've bought the lie that happiness and joy are found in a life that they can't afford to maintain, to impress another group of people. Who is at the throne of your heart? What would your bank account say? And what, what would the story of your time say? Let's just say somebody is going to follow you around for maybe a week, maybe a month, maybe a year. They follow you around everywhere you go. What would the story of your time say? Man, this person is really invested in the kingdom. They're invested in their relationship with God. Goodness, God is the priority of their life. They begin their day, they end their day, and every day in between is prayer unceasing. Wow, this person, they're making God a priority in their life. Or, would they say by your time, I mean, I don't really see God show up in their life much. And you might say, well, look, I don't have time. Gosh, I'm so busy. I, I, I've got work. I, I, I've got this. I've got that. I've got kids' activities. We've got select baseball. We've got all these things. I don't have time to make God that kind of priority in my life. And here's what I would tell you. You can't afford not to. He has to be the, the, the priority in your life. If you want to experience security, a secure and life that's at peace and, 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 and you want to be at rest, God has to be the priority of your life. Because until He is, you're going to live in a sea of insecurities and anxieties. Listen, God has called me to be the pastor of this church. That means my job is not to make you happy. It's not to make sure you feel good when you leave these doors. My job, as I stand before God, is to know that I shared with you what God has shared with me. And that is, if we are not prioritizing God in our finances, if we are not prioritizing God in our time and everything else in between, that has to tell us that we don't truly value him. That has to tell us that we don't truly value his kingdom and we are not seeking first his kingdom. Notice the word first. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. He has to be the first and the best of all that you have and all that you are. And when he is, you will experience a life at peace and rest. Listen, I got to tell you, the God of the universe, I've been reminded by this all week, the God of the universe loves you so much that he would give you his son, he would send his son to this earth. This is not theory, this is true. He would send his son to this earth to go to a cross to purchase your sin and your shame and your guilt so that you would be clothed in his righteousness so that your identity would no longer be defined by the world but your identity would be defined by him. The respect and the value that you long for in your life 
that you're trying to purchase is found only in him, in his words, you are my son and my daughter in whom I am well pleased. God delights in you apart from your stuff, apart from your works, apart from anything else. Because that is true, how can you not prioritize him? Like, I just don't understand that. I do not understand why I would have to plead with you to be in your, in your Bible. I do not understand why I would have to plead with any true Christian to be in prayer or to give. He has given you all, he's given you his son. Listen, I love you, but I'm not giving you my son. And he is giving to you freely his son so that you would have everything that you need so that you would stand valued and respected and loved and provided for so you wouldn't have to worry about a thing and yet we still find ourselves following the lyrics of Bono's song I still haven't found what I'm looking for well it's right here it's there all you got to do is accept it believe it and live it the gospel transforms everything, even our insecurities, even our anxieties, because it beckons us to come to find rest at the cross, where life is not about me, it's about God. And because he has freely given me everything, I then can give all that I have back to him. God, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give everything you've given me, I'm going to give it back to you, I'm going to entrust it with you. As I experience your joy, and I experience your security, and I experience your peace. Because there, at my death, is where I find true contentment. True contentment. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you. God, I want to take a minute here and I want us to not just be a people who say these truths, but who live them. But I don't want us just to be a people who walk through life stuck in our insecurities and stuck in our anxieties when you are offering us so much more you're offering us freedom you're offering us peace and true contentment father would you help us for those in the room god i just pray that who are ridden with stress and anxiety god i pray that you would break the chain and you would you would break Whatever it is that's causing this fear, that's causing this insecurity, that's causing the shame. Lord, open our eyes to see the truth that's before us. The truth that you have given your son to us. You've given us everything. How then can we not give all that we have and all that we are back to you? God, true joy and satisfaction in life does not come from what we can gain, from what we can hoard, but from what we can give. So Lord, let us be a people who 
give with all that we have, all that we are, making Jesus the true priority of all that we do and all that we are. Father, we just submit our lives to you. We submit our church to you. And we just ask, God, that you would work among us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. Over the next few minutes, the worship team is going to sing a song. And they're going to sing this beautiful song. And what I want you to do is I just want you to respond in worship to that song. So as they're singing over you, whether you need to, maybe, maybe you need to repent. Maybe there's a certain a, a, a conviction that God has placed on you that says, golly, man, I have tethered my heart to the things of this world. I've, I'm seeking for approval and respect and love and, and all of these material things. And it's not enough. And I'm getting that. I'm seeing that. And, and maybe if that's you, I just want you just to spend some time saying, you know what, God, I'm just, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust this to you. Maybe you're in the room and you're, golly, you're, you're, you're a performer. And, and, and you find yourself just trying to search for the approval of God through your grades or how much money you make or how, how many cars you have or how big your house is or how many likes you have on Instagram or social media. I want you to take some time and just release that to him. Say, God, I want you to be the priority of my life. I don't want you to be a priority. I want you to be the priority. And then just simply ask him and say, hey, God, I, I want the peace that surpasses all understanding. Would you be kind enough to grant me that? By the power of your spirit, would you be kind enough to grant me that? And so over the last, this next song, I want us just to spend some time dealing with the Lord. And then after the service, when we conclude our time together, I'm going to be right here. And if you need Jesus... I would love to walk you through what it looks like to begin that relationship. If you need prayer, I would love nothing more than just to pray over you. Whatever you need, we'll be ready. We want to serve, care, and provide for you. Okay? All right. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.